Hi everyone. This episode comes with a trigger warning and a clause about my hair. Uh, it's really messy and overgrown and I'm about to get a haircut and praying that they do a good job and make it look how I want to look. And on a more serious note, there's a mild trigger warning because I will be talking about the sudden loss of a loved one. And I apologize that after all that talk last week about commitment and prioritizing and really wanting to get this podcast happening on time, I'm about a day late. I've given myself a day's grace because I lost somebody very close to me this week. So this episode is going to be all about 10 tools, strategies, or shifts or whatever that regulate my mental chatter and they help chatter, chatter, that word is chatter, and help me to accept even the most difficult situations in life. Because as someone who's been studying my own thoughts and my emotions for the last 16 years um, and very interested in psychology and all that sort of thing, um, and as a very self-aware person as well, I've been watching the thoughts that go on in my mind, the strategies that I use, and it's an interesting process. And I still am human and I'm grieving, obviously, and I'm not um, minimizing or mitigating that in any way. But these tools and strategies that I have, I'm so lucky to have because I am able to cope better. I am not on this roller coaster of emotions that are taking me up and down all over the place. It's more like there are waves and I ride the wave into the shore as they come. Or, um, yeah, actually, I've just got to add something in to my notes. Actually, I'm not even going to add it in. I'm just going to talk about it right now, actually. Um, so that is kind of the first strategy. The first tool I use is to allow those feelings to come through like waves or like they talk about mindfulness, um, seeing your thoughts like clouds and let them pass through. And um, I don't want to do this out of order. And allowing those thoughts to be and be the way they are because you can develop secondary emotions um, so for example say that you're upset and then you feel guilty about being upset or you feel anxious and then you start feeling anxious that you feel anxious and that that's going to cause more problems um, secondary emotions aren't necessarily helpful and they make it so much more complicated to process what's actually going on beneath the surface in that in that primary emotion. So as much as possible, I just allow those initial feelings to be and I sit with them and I make sure I breathe through them. I don't catastrophize or go down rabbit holes. And this is something that I learnt 10 years ago when I was pregnant. I cured the anxiety attacks that I was having by becoming aware of what was happening in my mind, allowing the emotions to be, starting to slowly recognize the triggers because the first thing I did was allowing those emotions and breathing, really breathing through it. And then once my body and my nervous system was regulated, I could allow my thoughts. So maybe that's the initial first step is make sure you're breathing through, through anything in life. Okay. This is 
a really huge example that I'm using from the reason I'm using these tools a lot this week is because of this big example, but I use these tools all the time. I'm just noticing how powerful they are when you have them because other people around me are coping in their own ways and finding it difficult. I'm finding it difficult as well, but I'm so grateful and lucky that I have spent this time developing these strategies that allow me to to be strong and to process and not to go crazy, you know, not to get too stuck up in the head. That brings me to the second strategy, which is not spending too much time in my thoughts as I have been, you know, um, prone to doing over my life as someone who is ADHD and just a really curious person, has a lot of ideas, thoughts, the brain's always going. I remember lying in bed awake when I was like seven years old, thinking about the vastness of the universe and how could it be so and what's outside the universe. So there's a lot of big thoughts in there. But overthinking can easily drive you a little bit crazy. So I'm making sure that I stay really anchored in my normal routine in a kind of loose, flexible (laughs) version of it. (laughs) And I think that's really important to have your core routine and then the flexible aspects of it just in general as well Um, through any difficult time that you might be going through in your life. And, um, And having inlets and outlets. Um, so for an inlet, like podcasts, I always have a fiction and a nonfiction book on the go, because then if my brain needs something to do, then I have those available and I know what to go straight to having a hobby, something that I like to do, um, to keep me busy. Even if it's not like with ADHD, you don't necessarily have the dopamine that makes it really exciting to want to go and do a thing, but to have something that's available for you to pass the time and it's you know, at least mildly enjoyable, that's really good to have, to have something to do. And also having a bigger mission like business as well, like showing up to do this podcast is really great because it pulls me into the future and stops me getting stuck in the past. Um, And it gives me that purpose to keep moving forward as well. The third thing is another practical one again, I do these all the time. These keep me emotionally regulated all the time. They keep my mental chatter regulated all the time. And they're all really important for my life, for my well-being and, and happiness and functioning. Um, spending time with people and spending time outside. Being outside feels like the opposite of being trapped. It feels really expansive. It feels really connected. I love being in nature. And sometimes... When you're ADHD, when you're an overthinker, you can feel trapped in your mind, especially at the moment we're in autumn, um, more than halfway through autumn and the nights are getting, it's getting darker earlier. And sometimes that can make me feel quite trapped. So to avoid feeling trapped in my mind, I make sure that I'm not trapped physically. Going out for evening walks is really beautiful and um, really extends that day and really gives me the opposite of feeling trapped and and brings a lot of other benefits for well-being as well. There's a lot of benefits to being in nature. Um, there's a lot of studies being done that show tangible you know changes in the brain and it's just excellent. So I highly recommend being outside and being with people um, in a way that suits you. 
And I've really found the balance in my life um, for that. And I realized that pretty much all my social, when I'm in big groups, my social activities are all outside. And so it's not so overwhelming and it's peaceful and enjoyable and um, a little bit chaotic because we're usually it's groups of homeschoolers. But it's great fun. So those are really important for well-being and they get you out of that mental chatter as well. Fourth one is moving the body. Moving the body is um, so important. It gets you out of your head. At the moment, I'm really slow with it. I had um, an injured muscle and then I've had a tough week as well. So I haven't been doing so much exercise, but I have been going for walks. It's a little bit so it's slow exercise at the moment, but just keeping moving um, because it's really important for the body. You can feel the energy slow down and your body starts to ache when you don't exercise. And the more you do, the more flexible and energetic you feel. And it definitely gets you out of your body and helps physically process any emotions um, and any thoughts and energy as well. So like anger, anxiety, and frustration are processed really well through things like running or boxing or aggressive dance workouts, things that are really physical and you can kind of feel the energy and get it, get it physically flowing through and out of you. And aerobic exercise is really great too, because that regulates the brain. There's a lot of good benefits to that, especially for ADHD is if you can do 10 minutes of like really aerobic like really get the breath happening um get your heart rate up a little bit that it's so great for um thought regulation and emotional regulation and it lasts throughout the day it can it can last for several hours or even to the end of the day depending on how it affects you you know you might want to do a little bit more i think more than 10 minutes for me is probably good but yeah, 10 minutes, it, it makes a difference. Trust me, it's great. Um, and also any exercise that puts you into the body and requires focus. So yoga obviously isn't aerobic, but it takes, um, sometimes the poses are difficult. So the mind focuses wholly on, oh, I need to hold this pose. This is hard. This is difficult. And it stops all that other chatter. Same with um, cold water swimming as well. Um, that can do the same thing. Or like for me, when I'm rollerblading, I know I've used this example before, but that stops the mental chatter for me because I'm learning a new trick and I have to focus on the thing that I'm doing. Um, because otherwise, I've, yeah, you can't do it. It just takes that mental focus and that stops that mental chatter. So these are, these are all my little hacks to stop that chatter. Um, that otherwise would be going on constantly in my brain and driving me a little bit nuts, especially, you know, processing any difficult situation in your life or any just thoughts. Um, another one I'm just going to say really quickly because I didn't write it down is noticing any thought loops. Um, you know, at times uh, I hear in my brain a certain phrase repeated, like this week particularly. Um, can't remember what one was, but you know, a bit of a mental scream sometimes like, ah, that's, this is, this sucks. Or, um, uh, what was it? You know, just like a little negative phrase and noticing that looping and then questioning whether it's true and basically using cognitive behavioral therapy to, to 
avoid catastrophizing and going down this rabbit hole and um, really making it a really big deal of a statement that isn't actually true in the first place and it's representative of a feeling. So rather than creating this lie that you tell yourself to tell the truth about it and if it's actually just representative of the feeling to go back to feeling that feeling and allowing it to be without secondary emotion or these secondary negative thoughts. Okay, uh, what am I up to? Five or six? I think five or six. I think six because I just added that one in. I'm not going down the loops. I just had to help my daughter tie up her skates because she did not want anyone else to do it. She wanted mum. Okay, um, this one is acceptance and stoicism. I'm quite stoic. It is what it is, uh, which can be, you know, it's a bit blunt. Um, and there obviously is the human part of me that wishes that things were different. But I keep coming back to this. It is what it is. And I need to, need to accept that. And this is really helpful because the opposite of that is what ifs and woulda, shoulda, coulda. Um, which is really unhelpful. There is no benefit to that. That's just a torturous act of, um, you know, theoretically things could have been different. They can't. You can't change the past. So it's it's important to accept the future. And I'm definitely not going down any of those rabbit holes of oh, if, if this, if that. Um, the brain does try to bring that up during the bargaining stage. But what I was doing and do keep doing is using this um, Buddhist philosophy of training the mind is like training the puppy. If the puppy pees inside, you take it outside to the tree. Every single time you take it out to that tree. So every single time my brain says, what if this? I tell my brain, well, it's not how it went. It is how it is. It's already happened. So I take my brain back out to that tree take my puppy back out to the tree um because yeah it's just unhelpful in with anything in life it's unhelpful to say oh could have been different would have been different and um i'm really another thing maybe number six is i'm really big on learning the lessons so oh, if in hindsight i wish i would have done that differently what does that mean about my future how do i want to live differently now um whether that be you know, I wish I had been more present, shown love more, gone on more adventures. How can I do that now and um, overcome or shift and change a few things about myself? Um, mainly, you know, being brave and being more adventurous or letting go and not taking certain things so seriously. Um, but whatever for you, whatever things you face in your life, whether it be daily life or a um, difficult or surprising life situation, if you can learn to look for the reasons, um, not the reasons, but the lessons and grow through it, then that can be really helpful. And that ties in with another thing I'm going to say soon about spiritual beliefs as well. Um, so number seven is focusing on the present and also focusing on the future rather than focusing on the past, which it ties into what I just said. There's no sense wishing the past was different. Um, and sometimes 
you know, especially at night, I'm lying there thinking about uh, all the things that happened in the past. But bringing myself back to the present is really important, or at least reminiscing in a positive way. Um, and that comes into number eight, which is this positive reflection and gratitude. The, you know, a glass half full kind of attitude that I'm grateful for at least the things I did get to experience and the time that I did get to have um, rather than wishing that I had more or wishing that it had been different. Nine is having a self-belief that I'm strong and I can get through this. And a friend reminded me of the spiritual philosophy that you're only given challenges to the level that you can handle. And she said that I must be very strong um, which is true, I guess, doesn't necessarily make it um, any easier. It still sucks from the human perspective to have loss and to go through difficult situations, but um, to see it as life lessons and to have a spiritual perspective, I find is really helpful. And obviously I can't change anyone else's spiritual beliefs, but I'm just sharing a little bit about mine. Number 10 is having a positive expectation. This is so helpful in life. If you think everything's doom and gloom, which, you know, we can get stuck in thought traps, um, but that's, that makes it really hard and it makes you uh, feel really upset. And there's been studies that have been done that show that if you feel like you don't have power of a, a situation, if you feel like um, everything's hopeless, there are ch physical changes that happen in the body that will shut down like motivation and things like that. And you won't actually be able to cope as well. You won't be as capable. You won't be able to take action. Um, and, and, um, yeah, I don't have the exact science for you about that right now, but if you have this positive expectation that things will get better, um, it won't always be this way, um, then you maintain that self-power and um, there's that poem saying prayer, the serenity prayer that says, God grant me the, damn it, I should have written it down, grant me the, um, you know, the, the, the strength to, um, there's something to accept that it's about change. Okay. Sorry. I don't hang on. I'm going to pause it. I'll pause it. Okay. Here we go. Now that I'm pre prepared, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And then there's a bit of a longer version that says living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, taking this world as it is and not as I would have it trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your um, will. Um, but the first bit's the important bit of knowing what you can and can't change and um, having that acceptance and having that um, power, knowing the things that you can change and focusing on that. Number, number 11 is spiritual beliefs and trusting that this is my path, this is my life mission, apparently, 
and these are the lessons that I've been given. If you believe in things like soul contracts, then um, you know I went went into a contract before I came into this body that this would be my path, and um, I've so from that perspective I've chosen this, and this was to be my life, and there are lessons to come from this and growth to be had and um, again accepting and appreciating the things that I have had. So those are the 11 little mind tricks that I noticed that I'm using at the moment that's really helping me, like I said, not be on a roller coaster of emotion. So it's not up and down, up and down, it's these little waves of grief and I know that I will process in time and I have been through other crappy situations in life that these have been helpful for because obviously I don't expect that everyone listening is going through sudden grief right this second but I'm sharing these because they genuinely help me have more power over um, myself and my life and be really capable and resilient and emotionally and mentally regulated even though my brain is wired to be really chaotic and crazy and have so many thoughts um, it all comes through practice and like I say I've been practicing for 16 years with cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy just tuning my brain bit by bit bringing that puppy back out to the tree um, and it's so worth doing um, because it makes life so much easier to navigate and you can deal with even the most extreme situations. Um, so whatever you're going through, even if it's just daily life, daily struggles, have a think about which of these you might want to start implementing, which called to you, which sounded really interesting to you. And I've got to go and have a haircut and get back to my kids now. Um, and I will endeavor to be getting the podcast out next Sunday on time. And if you haven't subscribed already, subscribe. I'd love a review or you can tag me on social media at marley.darling. Um, and I'd love to hear which of these you found most interesting if you want to do that. All right, guys, um, have a good week and I'll see you in the next podcast episode.